right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Eaglebrook Church. Really good to have you with us today. If you're at one of our campuses or if you're watching this message online, got good news and bad news, depending upon how you look at it. School starts in a couple weeks. Every time I mention that, my kids are like, no, teachers, thank you. Parents, it's a mixed bag. Some parents I find are like, oh, I'm really bummed that summer's ending. Other parents are like, you know, they're giving one of those deals. Really excited and happy about this. Don't, don't let your kids see that, but maybe that's you. Uh, here at church, we are in the fifth week of a series called Will God Come Through? Have you ever thought or asked that question before? That you were going through a difficult time in your life, there was a setback of some sort, and you were praying about this, and you know the promises that God makes in the Bible. That he will work all things for the good of those who love him, but still there's something in the back of your mind that's going, yeah, but... Is God going to come through? Will God provide for me? Will God give me the wisdom and the strength that I need? And today's message is titled, Will God Heal Me? Several years ago, I had someone approach me and they said, do you use essential oils? And that was kind of the voice that they said it in as well. I've learned that's the universal essential oils voice. You say, essential oils? And at that time, I had never heard of essential oils before. To me, the essential oils are gasoline and Valvoline 10W30. Okay, those are, those are the essential oils. And then maybe whatever oil Chick-fil-A uses to cook their chicken sandwich in. That seems fairly essential to me as well. But my wife, like many women in her 30s, she is into these essential oils. And if you don't know what they are, an essential oil is an aroma that's extracted from a plant or from a flower. And it's said, it's put in like an oil form in a a little vial, and it's said that it can heal you of something. So some of it can be good for like an upset stomach. Some of them are good to help you sleep or relax. I'm not completely skeptical when it comes to essential oils. I do think they can heal people in certain circumstances and situations. However, my wife acts like these things can heal anything. I mean, I swear my kids are going to come home with a broken leg, leg dangling off to the side, and she's going to go, just put a little peppermint right here on your wrist, and I'm going to go, it's not their wrist that's broken, it's their leg, it's like dangling off to the side. No, 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 we'll just put a little eucalyptus right here, and it'll just heal you right up. This past winter, I had a head cold, and whenever I get a head cold, I want Vicks Vapor Rub. Because that just always just clears me right up. But my wife would not give me Vicks Vapor Rub. She said, you know what that's made out of, don't you? She said, it's made out of eucalyptus. All I have to do is put the eucalyptus in the diffuser. It will be like the same thing. And I just had to finally put my foot down. I said, I do not want your hippie oils (laughs) in your little steam and smoking diffuser machine. I said, I want some Vicks Vapor Rub. Now, just so you know, I have my wife's permission to go on this rant. I like to use this platform to hash out our conflicts and to gain public support for my cause, okay? So if, if you think essential oils can heal anything, do not email me this week. That's not what I'm looking for, all right? But all of us have something that we trust to heal us. Some of us would say, well, yeah, I think essential oils work really well. Others of us would say, I trust my doctor. I I trust modern medicine. I trust surgeries, pills, that kind of thing. 
Other people would say, you know, I trust naturopathic healing kinds of methods. And all of those are great. But I want to make a bold assertion today that God is the ultimate healer. He absolutely is. Now, the moment I say that, let me circle back behind it and qualify that statement because oftentimes the method that God uses to heal us is things like doctors and medicine and naturopathic healing methods. So I'm not saying we should do away with any of those. Not at all. In fact, if you're a doctor here today, have you ever thought about the fact that God uses you to bring a healing into someone else's life? Sometimes as a pastor, people will say to me, you know, it must feel great to know that God is using your life. And I say, you know, that is really humbling. But other professions should feel that way as well. Doctors should feel that way. Teachers should feel that way. Anybody who's trying to lead another person to Christ should feel that way. A doctor is a man or a woman who God often uses to bring a healing into someone else's life. So I am not suggesting that the next time you get sick, you say, well, I'm just going to pray about this. Not going to see the doctor or, you know, take any medicine or anything like that. I'm not suggesting that at all. But what I am suggesting is this, that you invite God to heal you as well. Have you ever done that before? Has there ever been an area of your life or an issue in your life where you invited God, you prayed to God, and you asked him to heal you? And I'm not just talking about physical ailments right now. Some of us have an emotional wound that maybe your mom or your dad said something, they did something when you were growing up. There was a traumatic event in your childhood, and that wound hasn't fully healed yet, has it? What if today God could bring an emotional healing into your life? Some of us need a relational healing. That there's a relationship in our life, it could be with one of our kids, could be with our spouse, and you can just feel the distance, you can feel that there's been a fracture, a breaking of that relationship. What if today God could bring a relational healing into your life? I talk to people all the time who they need physical healing. They suffer from headaches every day. They have chronic pain. They have a disease or an illness, and nobody can figure out what the problem is or what the cure is. I say this a little hesitantly, but also with great faith. What if God could bring a physical healing into your life? I believe that God has been healing people for thousands of years, and he can still do it today. In fact, in today's message, we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 5. And this whole series, Will God Come Through? It's been based on two books in the Old Testament, First and Second Kings. If you weren't here for the first week of this series, we passed out these booklets, which are a Bible reading plan. There's some maps and diagrams to help you understand what you're reading. But I hope that you're reading First and Second Kings on your own. Today, we're gonna look at Second Kings chapter five. It begins this way. And it says, the king of Aram had high admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. Because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was mighty, a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. So Naaman is this mighty commander. He's a powerful warrior. He's achieved many victories in battle. But he's also sick. He has leprosy, which is a skin disease that causes painful sores or boils to break out all over your body. Maybe you can relate a little bit. That on the outside, things look really good for you. 
On the outside, you are the picture of strength. But on the inside, there is a pain or a hurt in your life. No one knows about it. Most people don't see it. But you live with it every day. That's Naaman. Now, Naaman is from the country of Aram, and Aram is not what you would call a God-fearing nation. In other words, Naaman is not a person who believes in the God of the Bible, but he has a servant. He has this maid, and she's a young girl from the nation of Israel. And one day, here's what she says to Naaman. She says, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria, Israel. He would heal him of his leprosy. I wonder if Naaman got this kind of thing all the time. I've noticed that whenever a person is sick or has some sort of ailment in their life, everybody's got a suggestion on how you can get healed. I mean, have you noticed this? People say, have you tried this doctor? Oh, you got to go try this doctor. Have Have you tried this remedy? My mom used to, my grandma used to. I've had people pull pills out of their pocket before. Try these. I'm like, what are those? They're not exactly legal yet, but you could try. I'm like, what are you doing here? I mean, everybody has got some sort of suggestion for you to get healed. But here's the truth. The longer the problem persists, the more discouraged you become. When it's ongoing, when it doesn't seem like it's getting better, when you start to think to yourself, things are never going to change, that's when you really become discouraged. Several years ago, I woke up one morning and I had a pain in part of my body. And I was in my mid-30s at the time, and so I sort of thought, it'll just go away. I mean, up until that point in my life, things just always went away. I mean, you might wake up some morning, you got something on your eye, you're like, well, what's that? But a couple weeks later, it just goes away. And you don't know why it goes away or how it got healed, but it just does. But two weeks later, the pain was still there. And so I went to see the doctor, and he said, you know, I think you have this infection. Let me give you some antibiotics, and you're going to be as good as new in 10 days. 10 days came and went, and it was even worse. Since that time, I've seen multiple specialists, doctors, chiropractors, naturopathic, you know, health providers. I've gone on WebMD and Mayo Clinic's website to try to diagnose this problem in myself, and no one can figure out what the problem is. One time I was convinced that God had healed me. I was up praying in my youngest son's bedroom, and I started to just ask God, God, would you please heal me? And I got really emotional about it. I was crying and crying to God and just saying, God, would you please heal me? And right afterwards, I went downstairs. I opened up my Bible. And I don't remember what the exact reference was, but it said something to the effect of, I have heard your cries. I have seen your tears. I will heal you, says the Lord. And I thought, are you kidding? That's it, I'm healed. I thought I was just upstairs. I was crying. God heard me. God saw me. God is going to heal me. The next morning I woke up and my symptoms were much better. I thought I am healed, except I wasn't. Three days later, the symptoms came back. Now, these days I've had some improvement. It's not something that affects my life very much on a daily basis. But still, I have wondered, why, God? I believe you can heal me. I've asked you to heal me. Why won't you? And I don't have an answer to that question yet. But here's what I believe. I believe that God's ways are higher than our ways. I believe that God knows things that I do not know. 
And what I have found is that this physical ailment in my life, it has deepened my prayer life. It has given me empathy for people who are also struggling with physical pain. And it has motivated me to get in probably the best shape I've been in since I was in college. Now, the moment I say that, let me just make you feel a little bit better. Because a couple weeks ago, there was donuts in the break room. And I'm trying to cut out sugars and that kind of thing. But there was a powdered donut there. And I thought, oh, I haven't had a powdered donut in like a year. So I grabbed the powdered donut and I went running back to my office. Because I didn't want people to see me eating the powdered donut. I don't know if I'm the only one who does this. But if I'm eating broccoli... I'm going to go through the offices with like a drum, you know, boom, boom, boom. People come, what's going on out here? Well, I'm just eating broccoli. You know, I want people to see that. But I didn't want people to see me eating the powdered donut. So I ran back to my office. But as I was running, the powder must have been falling off of the donut. <laughs> so it was like Hansel and Gretel. There was this trail right up to my door. And a couple minutes later, Bob Merritt, our senior pastor, and Dale Peterson, who's on our leadership team, they were like a couple hound dogs. They're like following this trail through the office and they come up to my door and they're like, did you just eat a powdered donut? I'm like, oh man. So I'm not that healthy, okay, just to make you feel better. But, but it's motivated me to get in better shape and better health. It has also strengthened my faith. Hebrews 11:6 6 says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I would rather be blind with faith than have sight without faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. What kind of faith pleases God? It's a faith that believes even when it doesn't see. It's a faith that persists even when your circumstances don't change. It's a faith that works even when your life makes sense. Do you have that kind of faith? With everything in me this week, I have been praying that God would cause that kind of faith to well up in you. The kind of faith that says, God, I believe. I believe that you can heal me. I believe in many cases you will heal me. But even if you don't, God, I still love you. I still trust you. I'm not believing once I see the results. I'm going to believe before I see the results. Because I love you, God. I trust you. And I believe in you no matter what. Back to Naaman. Naaman doesn't have that kind of faith yet. But he's so desperate that when his servant girl says to him, hey, there's this prophet in Israel who I think could heal your leprosy, he's so desperate he thinks it's worth a try. I mean, for all he knows, this guy is a complete quack, but he fills up his camels with 750 pounds of gold, or excuse me, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and he goes to see the king of Israel. And the king of Israel is like, what, do you think I'm God? I, I, I can't heal you. He's about to send Naaman away, but before he does, this prophet Elisha speaks up. And here's what he says to the king. He says, send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman goes to the prophet Elisha's house. He knocks on the door, and Elisha does not come and answer. He sends one of his servants to answer the door instead. And here's what the servant says to Naaman. He says, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of leprosy. But Naaman went, became angry and stalked away. I thought he would surely come out and meet me, he said. 
I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God to heal me. Aren't the Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel, like the Jordan River, put together? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. Now, I want you to notice a couple of phrases from this verse. Because Naaman says, I thought surely, and I expected him to. In other words, Naaman has some expectations for how God is going to heal him. And when God doesn't fit into his little box, he gets ticked. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you thought to yourself, but God, I thought if I stopped doing this that you would heal me. Kind of like a little bargain. You know, I'd, I'd stop sinning here and then you'd do this for me. Or, or I thought that this doctor was going to find a cure for me. Or, or God, I thought if I got remarried, it was going to take away the pain from my previous marriage. And God didn't fit into the box. Here's the truth. Oftentimes God will heal us, but he doesn't always do it on our terms. He doesn't always do it in the way that we expect. And notice again what Naaman expected. He said, I expected you were just going to wave your hands and, and, and heal me. And this reveals the first expectation around God's healing that many of us have. And it's this, that God is going to heal me immediately. Come on, God, you know, just do that thing with your hands where you just kind of wait, you know, get your magic wand out, whatever that is that you do, but just, just do that. But I don't want to deal with this for five years. I don't want to deal with this for 10 years. I don't want to have to go see a counselor. Just give me some sort of quick fix. But the problem is that God doesn't always heal immediately. Oftentimes, God's healing is a process. It's taking one step towards the healing that God is offering to you. For some of you, that means praying another prayer. It means humbling yourself and telling another person what you're going through and asking them to pray for you. It's going to AA. It's going to see a sponsor. It's coming to church and singing praise to God even though there's pain in your life. It's doing the exercises that your doctor told you to do every single day. Sometimes God's healing is miraculous. Sometimes it's immediate. But other times, it is a process. And notice Naaman's second expectation of how God was going to heal him. He says, well, I crossed the Abana River. I crossed the Farpar River. Those were rivers in Damascus, which is where Naaman was from. And then I get to this prophet, and he tells me to dip in the Jordan River. Now, what's odd about that is the Jordan River was smaller than the Abana and the Farpar Rivers. This would be like if you cross the Missouri, you cross the Mississippi, and someone tells you, go dip in the Rum River. You know that Rum River up there in Ramsey, Minnesota? Yeah, just go dip down the Rum River. You're going, what, are you kidding me? I just passed bigger rivers than that, and you're telling me to go wash myself in there? And it reveals Naaman's second expectation, which was this, that God's healing will be dramatic. Nothing dramatic about dipping yourself in a river that's smaller than several rivers back home. Naaman's disappointed. He thought there was going to be some kind of explosion, some kind of firework, and when there's not, he walks away and never does what the prophet Elisha told him to do. But thankfully, Naaman has some wise friends and advisors around him. 
And I hope you have that around you as well because they plead with him and they say, sir, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply to go and wash and be cured. In other words, they're like, if, if he had told you to climb some huge mountain and find this rare plant to rub all over your body to be healed, you would have done that. So why not simply dip into this river seven times? Can't hurt. And that's what God may want to say to some of you today. Can't hurt. It can't hurt to pray another prayer. It can't hurt to ask God to heal you again. It can't hurt to make a phone call to try to restore that relationship in your life. It really can't hurt. See, it seems so simple, but sometimes God uses the simple to display his power, and that is simply amazing. Next verse says this. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God instructed him, and his flesh became as healthy as a young child's, and he was healed. I remember when I was first a believer in Christ and I would come to church, I'd hear pastors tell stories like this. And while they were talking, I would be looking around at the people sitting near me. And I would be thinking, yeah, we don't really believe this, do we? That's a, that's a great story. This guy goes down, dips himself in the river seven times, and he's healed. That happens in the Bible. I mean, crazy stuff happens in the Bible. But we don't actually think that happened, do we? We don't think that actually happened in history. And we certainly don't think that, you know, if that happened today, that, that God could still heal someone that way. Because I would think, I'm pretty sure if I had cancer and I went and dipped myself in the Mississippi River seven times, the only thing that's going to happen is my foot's going to get wet. To make matters even worse, I would see these so-called healers on TV. Flipping around channels late at night, you'd see someone, are you in pain? Do you want to be healed? And you're like, yeah, I do. And they say, well, okay, then send $25 to our ministry, and we'll send you this vial of healing water. And I remember thinking, well, but why do I have to send you $25, and why do I need this vial of healing water? Why can't God just heal me? Or they would say, you know, there's this healer coming to XL Energy Center at 7 o'clock, and if you want to get healed, you know, you can come at 7, but you got to pay $50 to get in. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes they would run exposés on these things and they would find that it's a sham, that the so-called healer would have his associates in the audience and they would interview people. And so they'd approach some woman and they would say, you know, what's your name? She'd say, well, my name's Deborah. Well, why are you here tonight, Deborah? I've got back pain. And so then they would feed that information, you know, through an earpiece or something. And, and the so-called healer would be up front and he would go, you know, God's telling me right now, there's a woman here named Deborah. And Deborah, you have, no, no, it's not hip. It's, it's back pain. You have back pain. And Deborah's like, oh my goodness. And she's like trying to get up there to get healed with her back. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, you know, this is just, I was so jaded and cynical. And I became jaded and cynical to the fact that God really could heal people today. There were so many counterfeits, it started to obscure the real deal. But then when I was in college, I read this book that was a debate between a Christian and an atheist, and the topic was the resurrection. Did Jesus Christ resurrect from the dead? And I thought for sure that the atheist was going to have stronger arguments, but he didn't. 
And based on that book and several other books and debates and everything else, I became convinced that God took a man, Jesus Christ, who was fully dead, and he brought him back to life again. He took his lifeless body and he breathed oxygen into his lungs. He got the blood flowing again in his arteries and his veins and he came back to life. And I thought if God could do that in history 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, if God could actually do that, then there's no limit to what he could do in my life and in your life. That God could take a dead marriage and he could rise it back up again. That, that would not be hard for God. He, he could take a dead relationship and he could bring it back to life. He could heal someone of an emotional wound that no one else or person in this world could heal. He could even physically heal people of illnesses and diseases. That, that wouldn't be hard for God. And I became convinced that God can and does heal people today. It's not always immediate. It's not always dramatic. Sometimes it's taking a simple step. And the step isn't always a step into a river. Sometimes it's taking a step into Quest 180, which is our addiction recovery ministry. That that step is where your healing is going to be found. For some of us, it's taking a step into a doctor's office or into a fitness center. For some of us, it's taking a step into church and opening ourselves up to God and the relationship that he wants to have with us in our life. Sometimes it's immediate, sometimes it's dramatic, but oftentimes it's a simple step, which is why here's what I want to say to you today. If you can't go all in, put one foot in. The prophet Elisha did not say to Naaman, hey, if you want to get healed, man, you better be committed. You cannonball into the Jordan River. I mean, you just, woo, and you go flying into the Jordan River if you want to be. He didn't say that. He says, just, just dip your foot in. I looked up every translation of this verse, and everyone translated the Hebrew word there as dip, which connotated to me, just, just try it. Just, just dip it in, and then once you've dipped it in once, why not just dip it in twice, and then why don't you just keep doing that until you are healed? I heard another pastor tell a story recently about a baptism service at their church, and they baptized a woman in her 70s, and she had been very outspoken against God and the fact that she didn't believe in Jesus, but at the end of her life, God got a hold of her heart, and she put her faith in Christ, and she was baptized, and her 40-year-old daughter was there to witness this moment, and after the service, the pastor found this 40-year-old daughter in the hallway. And she was sobbing. And he went up to her and he said, I, I, I don't get it. This is a joyful day. We just baptized your mom. This was an amazing moment. I, I don't understand. And she looked at him and she said, I almost stopped praying. She said, for 22 years, I've prayed that my mom would come to faith in Christ. She said, two years into praying, I thought, this isn't working. I might as well just stop praying. God's, God's not listening to this prayer. She said, five years in, I thought God doesn't care. God can't reach her anyway. Ten years into praying for my mom, she said that voice was shouting. Fifteen years in, I heard, this is useless. Why are you even bothering? Things are not going to change. 
She said, 20 years in, I started to question if I even believed in God anymore. I thought, I am just talking to the wind. And she said, now today, 22 years later, I watched my mom get baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ. She said, I almost stopped praying. I wonder if there are some of us here today who have almost stopped praying or have stopped praying. That maybe there was a family member in your life and everything in you would love for them to come to faith in Christ or for part of their life to change, for them to be transformed by God. And for a while you prayed about that pretty regularly, but then you stopped. Or maybe it's your marriage. And for a while you were praying and asking God to restore your marriage and to bring joy to your marriage, but then you stopped. And you thought, well, this is just how it is. Or maybe there was a physical issue or ailment in your life, an illness or disease, and you prayed about that and you asked God to heal you, but then you just gave up and you thought, this is useless, it's not working, and you stopped praying. Friends, it may not be immediate. It may not be dramatic. But imagine if Naaman had stopped dipping into the river at the fifth time or the sixth time. He would have missed out on the healing that God had offered to him. Elisha says, just dip, just dip. And once you dip once, just dip twice and keep going until you are healed. I have had times in my life where I have prayed for someone and I saw God miraculously heal them to the point where doctors were going, I have no explanation for this at all. One of our staff members, Carson Frutiger, maybe you've been following this story. We hired him in June as our student ministry pastor in Anoka. And for a while, he thought he had pneumonia. But it turns out he didn't have pneumonia. He had a rare fungal disease that he had picked up while he was in the Boundary Waters. He's 26 years old, and the mortality rate for this disease is around 70 or 80%. He was on life support at the Mayo Clinic, and we got an all-staff email telling us to pray. And I remember I turned to one of our staff members who had been kind of close to this situation, and I said, is, is, he's going to make it, right? And they said, I don't think he's going to. But we gathered together to pray, and I would have loved for you to have been sitting around those circles because we were praying boldly in faith that God would heal Carson. And a few weeks ago, I, I got an update, and actually got an update last night, that there's been some improvement that he's been responding to some neurological tests, that he's not needing as much oxygen and life support as he was earlier, and they're starting to see some small incremental improvements. We're going to keep praying that God will heal him, and I believe that God absolutely can do that. I have had other times in my life where I've prayed for a person. My son's second-grade teacher got cancer. And if you had looked at my journal, you would have seen almost every day for six months, I prayed for her by name that God would heal her of this cancer. And she died. When I was sitting next to her deathbed, I would read to her verses from the Bible. And towards the very end, one of the verses that I read to her was from Romans 8. It says, since Christ lives within you, even though your body will die, because of sin, because of the sin-filled world that we live in, that things aren't how they're supposed to be. Your spirit, though, I said, is alive. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. 
And just as he raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body by the same spirit within you. That if you have the spirit of Christ living within you, ultimately you will be healed. It's why Isaiah says about Jesus that by his wounds we are healed. Our ultimate healing is not found in this life. Our ultimate healing is found in Christ, and that will last forever. But today, we are going to pray, and we are going to ask God that he would open up the heavens and that he would bring a healing into your life. That no matter which of our campuses you're at today or if you're watching this message online, maybe you're in an apartment, a condo, you're driving in the car, What if God would just open up the heavens and bring a healing into your life? I've been praying that, Lord, would you do a miracle? Would you come right now and would you touch people's lives? Some of us need an emotional healing that there's a wound and it's never healed. You need to pray and ask God that he would heal it. Some of us have a relationship and it seems like it's lost. But you need to pray to the God who can raise dead people to life that God would raise that marriage, that relationship back to life again. And for some of us, you have a physical pain or illness or issue in your life. God doesn't always choose to heal us. But many times God responds to a prayer made in faith And he moves in your life and he does something that no doctor or anyone else can ever explain. And so today we're asking that God would do that in our lives. We're gonna sing a song together as a church at all of our campuses. And for the first part of this song, I want you just to close your eyes and talk to God in the quietness of your own mind. And just to ask God this question, God, where do I need healing? Just need to identify it. Where is it that I need healing? And then to ask God a second question, God, what step do I need to take to step into the healing that you are offering to me? Partway through the song, we're gonna stand together and we're gonna sing. And I hope it's not just a song. I hope this is a moment with God. I hope that you make this your prayer, that you would believe that God is your healer and that nothing is impossible for him. And that maybe God would reach down and touch your heart or your life in some way. And then your campus pastor is going to come up at the end and close things out for us. So spend a moment and just ask God, where do I need healing? And what step are you calling me to take?